I want to greet all of you in the name of Jesus this morning. It's been so good to be here. Kind of got to say it's prepared me to speak what God had been laying on my heart, which is about gratitude. And, uh, you know, any time that there's any change, you kind of wonder, and not that I had any trepidation or uh, qualms about the whole thing, but uh, I felt that the new song leader would have very large shoes to fill. I was always so blessed with Joe and Marcellus and prayerful attention they gave selecting the songs, and so often they just, you know, set the tone, and, but, uh, wow, thank you, Daniel. It was an amazing morning, and it's wonderful what God does, and how he guides and directs his children, and then the devotions were tremendous as well. Job's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and you know, we see a very human side of him as he responds to God, and perhaps, uh, you know, we just see a humanity, and yet this was such a man of God that he God's attention to the extent that he would tell Satan, look at this man, so we're allowed to be human. But this morning, I want to talk about gratitude, and the definition of gratitude, according to Merriam-Webster, is the quality of being thankful. Well, that's pretty obvious. But then it says it's readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. That was kind of a new thought to me. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So keep that in the back of your mind. And I'd like to just begin by reading Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And that is, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You know, in studying for this message, I had a very clear direction from God of what he wanted me to share and what he wanted me to speak about. But as I started digging in, it kind of it, the feeling changed. I mean, how I felt about gratitude. And, you know, and I think it's so important that we feel gratitude and that we return thanks to God for giving us the many spiritual and physical blessings that he does share with us. But it became more serious as I realized that this is not a suggestion. It is a commandment from God that we are thankful in all situations. We can't be thankful for everything, but we can still be thankful in those situations. And I'm always challenged and and stretched by this old Puritan who was standing or sitting at the table. He had a loaf of bread and a glass of water, and his prayer of thanks was that Jesus with you and all this besides. And there's a real illustration in that, because if I'm sitting there with a loaf of bread, however good it might be in a glass of water, I would probably be more keyed in on the lack of a ribeye steak than I would be about thinking that I have Jesus in this bread. See, it's all a matter of perspective. I was going to bring along a quarter or another coin, and I forgot. 
But every coin I've ever seen, whether it be Canadian or whether it be U.S. Mint, has two sides. In so many situations in life, we have the opportunity of choosing which side we want to look at. And just a little illustration in my own life is, as many of you know, that for a lot of years I worked for Troyer's. And I loved working there. It was a really good company to work for. And then it changed. And it wasn't nearly as good to work there anymore. And I realized, looking back, that it had been way too much of a security blanket. And you know, because of the fact that that situation changed, God has now placed me in a situation that is much better in every way than that could ever have been. See, that's how God works. But just a a little confession here that there were a lot of miles traveled by yours truly where my heart wasn't necessarily overflowing with praise. But see, we're human. But I'm not making any excuses because we can still choose to find things and situations to be truly grateful and thankful for. There's so much in like, it's so easy. Anybody can be thankful for the things that go well. And lest I be misunderstood, I would like to make it abundantly clear that we are indeed to give thanks for the blessings that God gives us. Don't hear me otherwise, but I'm always blessed with Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s was one of the men that brought about a great revival and awakening back in the 1700s. He was born in 1703, and he preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, and it brought a great awakening. But he talks about a natural gratitude and a gracious gratitude, and there's a vast difference, and I'll get to that a little later towards the end of the message, God willing but just some practical ways of how do we manage our feelings of gratitude. And I'd like to point out that as I studied this, I became aware that gratitude is a commandment. It is not a suggestion. It is not saying that if you do this, things will go better for you. But it is an absolute commandment that we are to be grateful people. And one of the most important things for us To live a life that shows forth the gratitude to an almighty God is to pick what you ponder. We can choose what our mind dwells on. You know, we've been married for 34 years. My wife is not perfect, although I've done pretty well. But if I spend all my time thinking about the very few things that she doesn't do well, it becomes almost impossible for me to see and to experience and to feel grateful for the thousands of things that she does superlatively. That's how life works. Pick what you ponder. Manage what you think. We are not creatures of no control over our mind. So many times people think, well, we can't help what we think. You can be intentional. You can choose to think good things. You can choose to think positive. Or you can choose to think negative. You know, today is a wonderful day. The sun's out. Something we haven't seen a whole lot of recently. I don't really care whether... It's going to be cloudy tomorrow or not. But I can enjoy today. You know, I can enjoy tomorrow as well, even if it's cloudy. But we uh, need to pick what we ponder. And then this is something that I came across that was really eye-opening to me. And that is that anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. That really challenged me. We all know that if we walk into a dark room and we flick the light or we turn on a flashlight, that darkness and light cannot coexist. There may be different levels of brightness, but when light comes on, darkness flees. And I would suggest to you that when gratitude gets turned on, that anxiety and worries flee. It's funny how it works. 
And it's not asking us to just... Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the three people. There was an optimist and a pessimist and a realist were walking down a path. And the conversation must have been very engaging because they stumbled off of a cliff. And they're falling in free fall. And the optimist said, hey, this is going to be a blast. You know, it'd be all right. We're going to come through this just great. And the pessimist said, oh, there's absolutely no way we're going to survive this. We're going to die. We'll be killed and smashed into pieces. The realist said, this is dangerous. So we see three different perspectives of a single event. And I'm not, I'm probably a little more of the optimist there. But you know, God doesn't expect us to close our eyes to reality. But we can choose whether we're grateful for the situations that we find ourselves in or we can choose to pout. And I know this has already been shared. I was blessed by this verse, but I, I want to come back to Lamentations chapter 3 for a little bit. And I like to get the context. So often we read the, the portion where it talks about God's mercies being new every morning. But I'd like to set the stage for that and talk about gracious gratitude because this was a situation where this author here was feeling completely at the end of his tether and undone. Things hadn't been going well. He says that God has blocked my way with blocks of stone. Well, that sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? You know what? We like to kind of chart our path and we, we think out, lay ahead and plan ahead of the goal that we have for the future. And we put things into place. And then you get to this roadblock and it's just like this massive wall of stone. That's how this author felt. He said, he's a bear lying in wait for me. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. Life ever feel that way to you? What has to me doesn't feel good, does it? I don't know that I've ever been quite in the fix like this, but he talks about how he shoots his arrow into his kidneys and how I've become the laughing stock of all people. That might be the most bitter pill of all. None of us like to be laughed at or made fun of. He has filled me with bitterness, and he says he's the object of their taunts the whole day long. He said he's sated me. He's, he's given me wormwood and gall, which is about as bitter as something we could put in our mouth. And he said he's ground his teeth on gravel. That's not a fun thing. I've in my time landed on my face on, on a gravel path a time or two, and I know a little bit of what that's like, and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace, and I have forgotten what happiness is. My endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. I don't know that I can really relate to a feeling of desolation and utter hopelessness that he's talking about here. But in that situation, and in that setting, and in that time, what does he say? My soul continually remembers it, and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if we could be in that setting, in that situation, and where it feels like we're being shot with arrows and we're being made fun of, we're mocked and we're taunted, and our teeth are grinding on gravel, where we can say, Lord... Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's a real challenge. And it's so important that we fill our mind with good things. An example would be that if I asked someone to bring me a glass of water, and I'd be walking down this aisle and Logan would jump out in front of me and bump into me, what do you think would happen? 
Well, I would guess that water would come out of the cup. Pretty obvious, isn't it? It's highly unlikely that it would, you know, all of a sudden be grape juice or, or Pepsi. But you know, sometimes we're walking on this path of life, and life happens, and things bump into us. So what spills out of us? It's more than likely what we're full of. So we confuse whether we're full of the Holy Spirit and led by God, or whether we respond with anger and derision and disgust and like, oh, you careless person, you bumped into me and you ruined everything. No, that's not the Holy Spirit being active in us. Moving on in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 22. I'm going to be sharing a lot of references. You don't have to turn to them. But this is the word of God, and I think it bears repeating. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brethren, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek good to, to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Well, that's quite a laundry list, isn't it? But just, you know, keep your mind on that. And I'd like to share with you, I'm not much of a psychologist, but there was this university. It was actually at the University of California, Davis. And they had a test that they asked people to do. Uh, and there's the names of these learned doctors. And there's also the University of Miami was involved in this. But one group was asked to write down things for which they were grateful. The second group was asked to do just the opposite. They wrote down the regular annoyances and frustrations that occur in daily life. The third group were asked to simply write down things that occurred throughout their week with no specific focus on either positive or negative. In other words, you had a flat tire, well, I had a flat tire. I won the lottery, I won the lottery. But just... It was neutral, wasn't slanted one way or the other. After 10 weeks, and this is really, really interesting to me, those who wrote about things for which they were grateful were markedly more optimistic and exhibited higher levels of enjoyment of their lives than before the study. Now, mind you, these people weren't necessarily naturally optimists. Might have been an optimist amongst the crowd, might have been a realist and a couple pessimists, who knows? But it was the same for all of them after 10 weeks. An unexpected byproduct of the study found that those participants who practiced writing down things for which they were grateful also exercised more and visited the doctor. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I didn't expect that. I, well, and I guess the Bible says that a joyful heart is good medicine, yes. But it actually does work. How we look at things alters our destiny. It is a commandment. So actually, I thought it would really be interesting, just as a little exercise, and I didn't put a time limit on it, but I was just like, well, write down all the things that I'm thankful for. I'm just going to go through part of the list, because it's not that important, but uh, this was probably a five-minute exercise. In fact, it didn't even take me five minutes. Uh, you know, and I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit not only guides us and surrounds us, but dwells within us. Imagine living without the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful for that. 
I'm grateful for the church here. I'm grateful that we have a safe haven to share. That we don't always have to stand up and perform. That we can be ourselves and that we can admit, admit to each other that we struggle. That we need each other. That we need prayer. That's a blessing that I take for granted. I'm so thankful that God has given me a wife that loves the Lord. Who is a wonderful mother to our children. And I'm so thankful for our children. And I'm so grateful for our grandchildren. I'm so thankful that we've got a warm house. And that it doesn't drip down when it rains. I'm thankful for our wood stove that keeps it nice and warm. I'm thankful that I've got a chainsaw to cut the wood and a wood splitter to split it. I could go on and on. I'm thankful that we've got a barn to put the wood in. I'm even really thankful for my dogs. The list, that's by no means a very complete list. And I didn't even work at it. Those are just things that popped up that, that we should be grateful for. But what about people who maybe they're not in a perfect family? There's still something to be thankful for. But just remember, anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. So if you're feeling tempted, if you're feeling negative, if you're feeling you're facing things that you just simply can't handle, please, every morning, write down a few things that you're grateful for. It will change your life. I'm not sure that it's ever made that much difference. Neither of us has hardly... I mean, we just, we've been so blessed, we hardly ever go to the doctor. So I don't know that we can go to the doctor less. But you know what? Just, uh, it's just a good way to live, to intentionally be grateful for the many blessings that we have. Moving on in Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 21. Actually, I'm going to begin in the last half of that. Is it's, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, if I could but do better at that, then I feel like my life would have been more successful than it has been up until now. Whatever I do, in word or deed, to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's powerful. I need to be reminded of that. You know, one of my favorite, I guess, famous pastors is Alistair Begg. And he says that, especially us men, tend to get into trouble because we are unable to think five minutes beyond what we're about to do. I think if we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, we eliminate a lot of grief from our lives. In Psalm 95, verses 1 through the first half of verse 8, talks about, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. 
The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Wow, what a mighty awesome God we serve. You know, as I'm getting older, I am truly getting to the point to where I generally am moved with the prospect of going through life without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit within us. You know, that's what millions and millions and millions of people choose to do. That should be a burden on us. Revelations 11, verse 17, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and began to reign. I think something that's misunderstood by so many people, and I'm not talking to anyone in here necessarily, but they think of Jesus as he was, instead of Jesus as he will return. You know, it's such a wonderful and warm and fuzzy feeling to think about this little baby lying in a manger and these cattle standing out around him and munching on their hay. And it's just, oh, it just makes us feel so good. But just remember in your minds that he is coming back and he's coming back as Lord and King of the universe. He's not coming back to be spit on, to have a crown of thorns slammed on his head and to be beaten. He's coming back as mighty God. In 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So we can speak boldly, we can speak with authority, because we're talking about the King of Kings. In closing, just a few notes here from, from Alistair Begg, actually, but uh, it says that ingratitude is one of the chief marks of the unbeliever. Wow. Ingratitude then I really, I would like for all of you to remember this. Because I believe it's the Word of God. But purposeful, perpetual thanks to God is absolutely central to our Christian character. So that means, regardless, that we, of, of, regardless of our circumstances, that we are thankful to God. And then gracious gratitude is the remark of a true believer. This is very serious. It's, it's so easy to kind of make light of, a, yeah, we should be thankful. But it isn't a suggestion. It is, well, I just want to repeat it. Purposeful, perpetual thanks to God is absolutely central to our Christian character. And now I'd like to briefly step back to our Jonathan Edwards. That's a very interesting character, actually. But at a relatively young age... Uh, I guess smallpox of that day would be like the COVID of ours. And he went and took a vaccination or an inoculation against smallpox, and he died. And I wanted to, to print out the letter that his wife wrote to their daughter, but I didn't quite get that done. But she wrote to her daughter that her father had passed away. And she said that a great good God has covered us with a cloud of darkness. You know, she was honest. 
We don't have to be dishonest about the difficulties that we're facing or what we're going through. God wants us to be honest. So she acknowledged that there was this great big black cloud. But she said she is so grateful that God didn't take him from them sooner, even though he was a young man, relatively speaking. Then she said that she is in the Lord's will, and there I love to be. Wow. How many of us can say that, truly, that when we lose a loved one, we acknowledge that God might have covered us with a cloud of darkness, but, you know, that is God's will that we are grateful, and that's where we long to be. That's a real challenge. Purposeful, perpetual thanks to God is absolutely central to our Christian character. That's a real challenge, and it's not something that comes easy. But throughout all the trials of life, I would just remind you that a lot of the answers, I feel for me at least, are found in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1. This is one of my all-time favorite passages in the Bible, and I know you all know it. But it talks about being surrounded by this cloud of witnesses and to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily wants to ensnare us or entangle us and to keep our focus on the author and the finish of our faith, Jesus Christ, who was willing to suffer the shame of the cross for us, but who is now on the right hand of